I thank you, Lord, that whatever we have seen this past week, whatever we have experienced, whatever we have encountered, we put it behind us. We lay it at your feet. And this morning we look to you because you care for us. And Father, whatever the world is telling us, it might be facts, but Father, facts are always subject to change. Because you love us, your truth stands eternal. And so because you love us, Father, you can always move another mountain. You can always uh, turn a verdict around in our favor. So this morning we look to you and we thank you that in your presence, number one, all things are possible. But number two, most importantly, you love us and you are for us. So this morning, Father, we look to you. We look to you. And Father, I ask that everyone in here would walk out with exactly what you have prepared for them. Not what I prepared, but exactly what you have prepared for them. And Father, we thank you that you are feeding us on Christ. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, man, I will say this. It was a long road to get here. I actually had a a conversation with an individual in here. I was telling them, I said, um, this has been hands down the hardest message I have ever put together in my life. Uh, Just the preparation process. Um, This has been the most difficult series I've ever done in my life, relationships. And it seemed like on the onset, it was like, oh, that won't be too hard. You know, I've accumulated a lot of things throughout the Bible. I can't say that I'm an expert on relationships. I'm not a psychologist. But I want to make sure that when we look at things, we always look through the lens of God's word. Right. Psychiatrists can give you help or or, uh, not psychiatrists. What is it? Um, Relationships experts, they can tell you how to make it work. You can go to a relationship seminar. They can say, husbands do this with your wives. Wives do this with your husbands. And all that is good. But if it doesn't bring Jesus into the middle of it, you're left in your own strength. And that's what we shared last week. Hey, look, if you're not careful, you'll pick up a bunch of things to do. You can tell me, Matthew, every morning, kiss your wife on the way out the door. So every morning I kiss my wife on the way out the door. But eventually she's going to start looking at her clock and going, here he comes. Three, two. I'm going to hit the door. Sweetheart, I love you. And I'm going to give her a kiss and I go out the door. And that can be heartless. That can be cold. So it's not a list. It's not a rule. It's not we're looking for things to do. We're looking for someone to see. And when you see that person, when you see Jesus, Jesus fills your heart with so much love that no one has to tell you, go kiss your wife when you walk out. You go find her before you walk out. Then you find her after you brush your teeth. And all the men said, amen. Amen. Find her after you brush your teeth. Then you kiss her on the way out the door and you might call her on the way to work. So my point is this. We're not here to find out things to do. I want your relationships to increase. I want your relationships to go deeper. I want your relationships to be fruitful and multiply. To the first relationship, Adam and Eve, what did God say? He blessed them by saying, be fruitful and multiply. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And the majority of you are saying, I'm done being fruitful. I don't want to multiply anymore. I've had all my children. That's fine. But you know what? Sarah was... You want to know how old she was? She was 90 years old when she had Isaac. And all of you, Peter says, all of you are daughters of Sarah. You're daughters of Sarah. If, I'm going to say if. Peter says all the women are daughters of Sarah. So you might say, I'm done having children, Lord. I won't say that over you. (laughs) I won't do that to you. But suffice to say this, God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. So I'm very excited. Um, I actually enjoyed... Sure. Sorry. I actually enjoyed last Sunday more than I should have. But coming into this Sunday, I was just so I don't know. I felt a lot of weight, a lot of pressure. And I just I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning again. I work hard for you because I love you. Um, So are you ready for the word? Ephesians chapter five, if you would open up to Ephesians chapter five. And uh, for what we're going to look at this morning, 
We're going to focus a little more on women than men. Men, we are not excluded in today's message, but we're going to look more at women. And my goal, hope, is next week we can look more into men. But suffice to say this, I have thoroughly enjoyed meditating and studying on the things that I'm going to share today. Uh, my wife is with the children. She can probably attest to this as well. Since I've been preparing today's message, not just today, this last couple, uh, last three weeks of just studying and preparing for this, uh, my marriage has taken an amazing turn for the better. Um, our relationship has gotten better. And I'll say this, not to brag as if, oh, I figured out the, the, the I figured it out. Like there is no formula to figure out. But what I've done is I'll say this, the more I study about relationships, I realize that God has created relationships so that neither party can be independent of the other. Now, I know when you're dating, you say, I don't need you. That works because you're dating. But once you're married, I need you. All right. It's no longer. Well, I, you know, I can I can walk. Around. I don't need you anymore. No, I need you. And we're going to look in just a moment. But God has structured marriage specifically. He structured marriage that in a marriage you need each other to be successful. You can't be independent of each other and be successful. You need each other. Now, let me say this. If you're here and you say, well, I'm not married, but I'm looking for someone. Hey, this is the best time to get it. This is the best time to get it so that when you go into the next relationship, you can say, hey, look, not only do I value myself, what we talked about two weeks ago, not only do I value myself, but I see God's plan. I see God's blueprint. And when you see the glory of God, like we said last week, when you see the glory of God, the Holy Spirit transforms you into the image of glory that you are beholding. Correct. So as you behold the glory of God, God does something in you. Now, I know in most relationships or in most marriages, I can speak for myself and a few other people. My number one prayer is God fix her. God fix her. Your word says, Lord. <laughs> and what I find is this. God doesn't always fix her. In fact, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time he actually doesn't really mess with her at all. It's not fair. You know what he does? He fixes me. And the way he does it is he shows me my part. Thank you for that. Amen. From another married man. He shows me my part. And my part is not to come to her and say, submit, submit. What we're about to look at. That's not my part. When I do my part, the Holy Spirit will cause her to say, I want to do my part. Now, I can demand she submit, submit. That's not true submission. All right. But I can demand it. And at the end of the day, it's like we said earlier, she can submit, but it'll never be from her heart. I don't want to be in a relationship where my wife comes home and says, somebody handed me uh, their phone number today and I wanted to give him mine. But then I remember the Ten Commandments said, thou shalt not commit adultery. So I said, no, <laughs> we won't be married very long. <laughs> Are you with me? Nobody wants that. You want someone who says someone handed me their number, but I threw it away because I'm so in love. And everyone said, there you go. Because I'm so in love. We want it from the heart. And if you want something from the heart, you can't follow rules. The law never says to love someone. It just says don't commit adultery. Are you with me? I'll take it back. The law does go on later on to say love your neighbor as yourself. But even that falls short. Because you know what? I can hurt myself and hurt my neighbor and still keep that law. Are you with me? Because the law says love your neighbor as yourself. But when you see Jesus and Jesus says, I'm going to give you a brand new commandment. Nothing that is not like any command that ever existed before. All right. Love one another, comma, as I have loved you. Focus on my love for you. And out of the overflow of that, then love one another. You can't love your spouse. You can't love someone else until you first know how much I love you. Now, we're going to look at that in just a moment. But before we do, let's look at what Paul has to say about relationships. 
Are you excited? I'm happy. Here we go. Who changed the slide? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Paul says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, notice he does not say wives, submit. (laughs) Thank you for that thunderous amen. He does not say wives, submit. He says wives, submit as to the Lord. Now, I know we've said it once. We've said it twice. We're going to keep saying it. If I say submit, 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 I miss the point. It's not wife, submit. It's wife, submit to who? As to who? As to the Lord. Now, let me say this. When you submit as to the Lord, your promise and guarantee is from the Lord that you will never be taken advantage of. All right. You will never be taken advantage of. Now, if you're like uh, some some women I, I've seen and they say, well, he's not worthy. He's not qualified. Let me say this. Did you know that God never calls someone who is qualified? He never asks someone to lead who is qualified. In fact, he never anoints people who are qualified to lead. He anoints people who are unqualified, and he asks unqualified people to lead. Do you know why? Because it takes more humility for me to lead when I know that I'm not qualified. I have to rely on the people around me. I have to go to the people. I have to go to the Lord, number one. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Why did you put me here? And the Lord says, that's why I want you, because you're going to come to me every time you need something. Are you with me? So God calls the man to lead. He calls the woman to submit. Now, the problem is this. In the garden, in the garden, when the curse came, woman, woman, Eve and Adam, they were same. They were equivalent. Different roles, but they were equivalent. After the curse came, she came underneath him. Are you with me? Now, under grace, God is trying to bring the woman back to where she was. But the church has missed it for so long because we say, wives, submit. And we put a period where God put a comma. Don't submit to him. Submit to him as to the Lord. And when you submit as to the Lord, I'll guarantee you'll never be taken advantage of. Put Jesus into the equation and you'll find life. Put Jesus into the equation and you'll find grace. Now, did you know, can we, can we take a sidetrack real quick? Did you know that I believe this verse and this truth is so ordained by God that God is doing something. God is restoring and redeeming what women have lost. I believe that. I'm serious. And I say it like this. The first missionary to exist before Jesus died was the woman at the well. Think about it. He could have given that honor to anybody, but he gave it to a woman who was a Samaritan woman at a well. The Bible says after her encounter with him, she ran back into the city and she told everyone about Jesus. She brought almost the entire city out and Jesus was held up for so many days. And the Bible says that day many believed because of what she said. Are you with me? Eve put all of us in this problem (laughs) by talking. God is redeeming it. How? By her words. Are you with me? That was before his death. Who was the first missionary after his death? Do you know? Mary. Mary. Isn't that interesting? God gives the honor of speaking to women, not to men. If you ask me, God, give it to a man because, like Adam said, it's the woman you gave me, Lord. I've said that a few times. Lord, it's the one you gave me. And God is going, no, I want to redeem. I want to restore. I want to fix what happened. She spoke to the serpent first, but Adam never spoke. I'll get to that in just a second. Adam never spoke. She did most of the talking. And you know what? Adam took it. 
He ate and all of us are in this problem. So God says, now I'm going to restore. I'm not just going to fix it. I'm going to make it better than it was before. Not only will she be the first missionary for my son before his death, women will be the first missionary for my son after his death. Are you with me? Now think about this. And I love this. This is an amazing truth. Do you know that in Genesis chapter five, verse two, you don't have to go there. In Genesis chapter five, verse two, the Bible says that God called them both Adam, male and female, Adam. Now that threw me off for a moment, and I went and looked back into the Hebrew. We're going to learn some Hebrew this morning, okay? I went back and I looked at the Hebrew, and when I did, I found something, that the Hebrew word Adam actually means male and female. Now, I know we call the man Adam, we call the woman Eve, but the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 3, after God cursed Adam and Eve, Adam called her Eve, the woman Eve. He gave her that name after the curse. Now, why is that so important? When God gave them the curse, the curse was this, dying, now you will die. You'll die. Now think about it for a moment before we move on. Think about it. What was Adam's job in the garden? What was his job? He had to name all the animals. God brought the animals to him. He had to speak. He had to speak. God was trying to get him to speak. He makes Adam, but Adam doesn't speak. So what does he do? He brings a first. He brings a zebra and says, Adam, what's this? Adam says, mm, zebra. Good, Adam. He brings a, a hippo in front of him. Adam, what is this? A uh, hippo. Good, Adam. He brings ants. He brings all of creation before Adam, and Adam is now speaking. He says, very good. Adam is speaking. Then, all of a sudden, he brings a woman out of Adam, and you don't see Adam speak anymore. <laughs> all of a sudden, Adam stops speaking. Now, that said, the serpent deceives Eve. She gives Adam the fruit. Adam eats the fruit. They both plunge into sin. God pronounces the curse. Dying, now both of you will die. Both of you will die. Adam's first words after the curse, after hearing she will die, his first words were this. I will call you Eve. And Eve in the Hebrew is Hava, meaning living. God said she will die. Adam's first words now were, no, she will live. What a powerful statement. And I, God was probably proud. He didn't speak before, but he's speaking now. Amen. And all the men said, we're speaking now. Don't speak what you see. Speak what you want to see. God said, dying, she will die. He said, no, 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 she will live. She will be the mother of all living. That's what Eve means in Hebrew, living. Now, when you come down to verse 25, well, let's, let's keep going, verse 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now notice God says, wives, submit, husbands, love. <laughs> wives, submit, husbands, love. He always asks you to do something that you're not great at. He never asks you to do something that you're awesome at. Because if he asks you to do something that you have a gift in, or I'm sorry, a skill in, a talent, you'll rely on that more than you rely on him. So he asks you to do things that you are not great at. So he says, hey, husbands, Love. <laughs> I laugh because romance is not something most men are born with. I can't speak for every man, but I can say for me, romance is not something that I was born with. You have to learn it. <laughs> All right? But when it comes to submission for women, and I'm not, again, this is not a sexist statement. When it comes to submission, women are such good leaders. You are such good leaders that when it comes time to make a decision, most men are better at saying, well, well what do you think? What do you think? Like we said last week, when you're in a car and you say, well, what do you want to eat tonight? She says, well, what do you want to eat? And he says, I don't know. What do you want to eat? We never have so many arguments about food in our life. All right? 
Because for men, and I told my wife this, I said, you know, the, the problem is not that, you know, I don't want to, the problem for me is I, I want you to be happy. And she's going, but I want you to be happy. And I'm like, but I want you. And so we have a fight because just pick somewhere to eat. And before you know it, we're eating something we shouldn't have. Now, my point is this. It's easier for men to submit. It's easier. And don't think that, well, you know, this guy, he, he's different from most men. No, this is the word of God. Most men fall in this category. 99% of men fall in this category. It's easier for us to keep our mouth shut. It just is. When it comes to women... You have to make decisions many times on the fly because when the children get in trouble or when something happens, you have to make a decision quickly. God has anointed you. You are anointed. But let me say this. The greater anointing comes when you say, hey, look, I can make a decision, but I will defer to him. That's when the grace flows. That's when you say, I will defer to someone else. I'll be gracious to someone else. Even though he doesn't deserve it, I will be gracious to him. And then the grace of God can flow through you. And the grace of God can flow to you. So for men, we have to be taught love, love. And it's not just love your wife. It's love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for her. He gave his life for her. Now, at the end of the service, if we have enough time, I'm going to show you how all this plays, how God even put that verse in Hebrew, how he spelled it out in the Hebrew. And uh, if you're single and looking, God has actually hidden what to look for in a man. And the same thing for men, what to look for in a wife. Are you with me? So let's keep going. Let's look at Genesis real quick. We'll skip this. We'll, come, uh, we'll skip it. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Now this, this makes me happy. And I'll show you why. Genesis chapter 2. Now if you read Genesis chapter 2, God has just made man and this is the command to man. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Where did he put man? In the Garden of Eden. And what did he put man over? The garden. His job in the garden is to tend it and to keep it. God has made the whole world, the whole planet. He puts a garden on the earth and he puts man in that garden. Man, you are responsible for this garden. Stay in the garden because that's your responsibility. But watch this. When God makes Eve, when God makes the woman, watch this. Verse 28 of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's a lot more than a garden. Are you with me? Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, I don't know about you. I've never had dominion over a bird before. I've never noticed that. You know, you see birds, birds fly away. They run from you. That's great. God says, I want you to have dominion over the things that want to fly away from you. I want you to have dominion over the entire earth. But it doesn't happen until Eve comes. Are you with me? Now, years ago when I saw this, I got excited. And when I got married, this was one of the things I joked about, but I was serious. Adam, before Eve, had a responsibility. He had a, a purpose. When Eve came, all of a sudden his purpose increased. Are you with me? Now, what does that mean for me? What does it mean for you? For me, as a woman, that should give you so much more confidence. That should add so much more value. You increase the favor on the person you are with. You increase the calling on them. I had a calling before Christina, but then when Christina came, all of a sudden it's increased. Adam was good before she came. When she came, he was so much better. Because now it's not just the garden. Now it's the whole earth. Are you with me? Watch this. Verse 29. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. Not just in the garden. 
all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to, to you, it shall be for food also to every beast on the earth, to every bird in the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food and it was so. As a lady, as a woman, as a daughter of Sarah, let me say this. You increase the grace on whoever you are with. You increase it. Now, some men aren't smart enough to see that. I thank God that none of the men in here are. We're not dumb enough to miss it. There you go. <laughs> when you see that, it makes you value your wife. It makes you value your wife. It makes you value that lady, that woman who's in your life. She is increasing the favor on you. Did you know that Proverbs chapter 18, I'm getting ahead of myself. Proverbs 18, I think 22 says this. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. He obtains favor. He obtains grace from God. Before a wife, I, you know, I was okay. When I found her, I found favor with God. I found favor with God. Now, again, it goes back to, and let me say this. It goes back to husband's love, wife submit. Submission does not mean lay down and play dead. Submission means, let me say, for example, in, in, in Genesis. In Genesis, when God speaks to the Adam, he says this. When God speaks to himself, he says, let's make a partner who is comparable to him. And in the Hebrew, comparable means this. When she disagrees with him, she's still for him. Even when she's, when we're arguing about something, a decision we should make, everything she is saying is still for me. Even if we go the wrong direction, She's still for me and she's still helping me. Are you with me? So all that said, submission does not mean lay down and play dead. In fact, if you understand submission, anytime someone submits, it's always, let me say this, God always makes sure you end up, end up on top. Do you know that Abraham's wife, Sarah, submitted to him? Now, let me show you true submission. This is, this is a beautiful story. Abraham, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'll protect you. I'll cover you. I'll watch over you. The very next verse, they end up in Egypt because there's a famine. When they end up in Egypt, he looks to his wife and he says, sweetheart, tell them that you are my sister. Because if they think you're my wife, they'll kill me because of you. What, a, what an awesome excuse, right? <laughs> you're so beautiful, sweetheart. <laughs> they'll kill me because of you. So tell them you're my sister. While she's in the company of the king, God protects her, not her husband. Even when your husband isn't worthy of it. Even when he's not deserving of it, if you will submit as to the Lord, God will always protect you. And you know that when the story ended, that story ended, the Bible says that Abraham was blessed, became more blessed and continued to be blessed. You know why? Because he acquired livestock, gold and silver. By the time Abraham's life was coming to an end, his servant who watched over, who watched with him all these years said this of Abraham, Eleazar. He said this, my master has been very blessed by the Lord. And he is a wealthy man. Now, again, it's not saying lay down and take whatever he comes his way. No, no, no. Submit to him as submitting to the Lord. And when you do, God will always protect you. Even when your husband seems not to, God will always protect you. Are you with me? Let's keep going. Can we look at some Hebrew real quick? You're so quiet. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 8. The Lord says this, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power. Can you say power? power? It is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now watch this. As he swore to your fathers, 
Who is the fathers? Who, who are the fathers he's talking about? He's talking about the promise he gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will make you great. I will bless you. All the world will be blessed because of you. In blessing you, the world will be blessed. God says, I'm going to bless you. I want to make you great. But the problem is this. He's looking at their descendants and he's saying this, and this is for all of us. Hey, don't forget that it's the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Now, God does not give wealth. He gives the power to get wealth. You won't find anywhere in the Bible where God just gives wealth. Now, I'm not saying God can't give a financial miracle. I'm not saying that at all. And definitely don't put God in a box. But my point is this. It's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Now, watch this. To get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Did you know that Abraham lived nearly 400 years before the Ten Commandments? It was a covenant of grace, not a covenant of law, a covenant of grace. So this promise that God is giving you the power to get wealth is only guaranteed to you through grace. And if it's by grace, then it means you can't work hard for it. It means you can only receive it. <laughs> Are you with me? Aren't you glad Jesus qualified you? Even though you have disqualified yourself, Jesus has qualified you. Now, what does this have to do with relationships? The word power is the word koak. Say koak. Koak. In the Hebrew, two letters. Two letters. Het and kaf. Now, watch this. Kaf. Don't forget, Hebrew reads from right to left. Okay? Kaf. Over here and het on this end. Now, I didn't want to have too many Hebrew letters. I didn't want to confuse anyone this morning. I thought I'll try to keep it as simple as possible because Hebrew can get very sophisticated and complicated. I want to keep it simple. Okay? Did you know that the word for groom starts off, the first letter for groom is kaf, and the first letter for a bride is het in the Hebrew? What is God saying? Now, let me say this there is another word for power in Hebrew, there's another word. But God purposely chose to use this word for power. Why is that? Because he's trying to hide a truth. It is me who gives you the power to get wealth. It's me who has given you that other, that significant other. Now you have the power to get wealth. As long as you are fighting with each other, you're not working together. (laughs) If you can learn to flow with each other, not fight, but learn to flow with each other, you can access the power to get wealth. You can access it. And God has hidden it for those. Why? In the covenant he gave to the fathers. People who are still fighting for the law, they can quote this verse all they want, but this is a covenant that he made by grace. That means the only way to get it is through grace. And aren't you glad you are under grace? Which means this promise belongs to you. God has given you. They say, well, I'm single and I'm happy. I'm not out to mingle. (laughs) He said, I'm single and I'm not looking out. Hey, don't worry. God, Jesus is your husband. All right. I'm saying Jesus is your husband. We are the bride. He is the groom. Are you with me? God will make sure that you still get it. But for those who are married and for those who are looking to be, hey, you have you've received the power to get wealth. He's already given it to you. Don't ask God for something. He's already he's already given it to you. Thank God he's given it to you. Begin asking God, how can we flow together so that we can access the power you've given us? Are you with me? Can we keep going? Let's look a little more Hebrew. Let's look at it a little bit more. Look at Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Now I'll put some of these verses up here because I want you to see the story. But we're coming to the end. Now this speaks not just to the women. This speaks to husbands and wives. In fact, this was directly from the Lord for me. I was, I was meditating on this about Wednesday night. Reading the story, just going over it. And the Lord showed me something I never saw before. I'll show you in just a second. 
And it made my heart jump. Because when the Lord, whenever you're hearing from God, it will always make life easier. Okay? God will never give you something to make life harder. He always gives you things to make life easier. Last Sunday when we looked at parenting when it comes to children, remember that last verse we saw in Ephesians? He says, hey, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. In the Amplified, as dearly loved children, imitate their fathers. Right? So what's the secret? When you know that you are loved by your father, you will imitate him. When it comes to parenting, you can make mistake after mistake after mistake. My son is only two. I can't tell you how many I've made so far. (laughs) And I continue to make mistakes. But the grace in it is this. As long as he knows that he is loved by his father, he will be an imitator of me. So you can get it wrong, but you can also rest in God's presence because your children will imitate you. Are you with me? So when you're hearing from the Lord, it always becomes easier. Watch this. Genesis 26. Now we're going to look at Abraham's son, Isaac. And Isaac is a lot like his father. It says, there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Do you know that when Abraham passed away, he had other children outside of Isaac. But when Abraham passed away, he gave the majority of his wealth to Isaac. Now, knowing that, Isaac is already blessed. Isaac is probably 10 times over. He's a millionaire. And God comes to him, to this millionaire, and God says this, dwell in this land, I'll be with you, and I'll bless you. Does he really need more? Does he really need more? But watch this. I'll bless you and your descendants. I'll give to all these lands. I'll give, I'll give all these lands, and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Meaning it has nothing to do with you, Isaac. It has everything to do with the covenant I made with someone else. I'm telling you, we are beneficiaries of a covenant that God did not make with me. He did not make with you. He made with his son. Our part is to be like Isaac. Receive it. Stop trying to earn it and receive it. And God is going to make sure you get it. Now watch this. Next verse. Verse 4. God says, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. uh, Stars of the heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because watch this. Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerard. When I read that, I'm telling you the words jumped off the page. Let me ask you something. Is God is God lying? Is God can God lie? God cannot lie. Yet verse 5 says, because Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And I can tell you, if you read his story, that is not the case. (laughs) Now, how can God say something that when we read, it doesn't match? As far as God is concerned, as long as you, not as long, once you are in Christ, you are in grace. Grace takes all your sin and moves it. It moves it. It puts it at the cross. God judges your entire lifetime of sin in the body of his only son. Now, before God, God looks at you and God says, you are standing in the righteousness, the obedience, the perfection, the holiness of my only son. You are as perfect as Jesus is. You are as obedient as Jesus is. Because as he is, so are we where? In this world. So watch this. When God talks about Abraham, he doesn't see Abraham's failures. He doesn't see his sin. He sees Abraham's perfection, even though he was not perfect. And the beauty of this, the reason why I got so excited is because this is what God is telling his son. Wow. What? Imagine God telling your children how perfect you were. 
how great you were. I want to be Parker's hero. I think, that's a, I think that's a cool title to have. I want to be a superhero to Parker. I want to be that father, everything he needs he can get. But as a human, I know I'm going to fail time and time again. But imagine if God tells my son, follow after your father because he always obeyed my voice. He always did everything I asked him to do. And even though I didn't, this is what God will show my son. This is what God wants to show your children. He wants to cover all your mistakes so that when your children look at you, they have someone to follow. They have a superhero. (laughs) This is what God wants to show your children. I'm telling you, I got excited, man. And Isaac is not a child at this point. He's a man. He's a man. He has a wife. He's a man. His father has passed away. He's probably in his 30s or 40s at this point. And God is still talking to him about his father. Your father obeyed me every time. He followed all my laws and statutes. Wow. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Now, when he goes to Gerar, he does the same thing his father does. He lies. His wife is so beautiful, he doesn't want to get in trouble. So he says, she's my sister. And the Bible says the king looked out the window one day and said, what are they doing? (laughs) No brother and sister does that. So he comes downstairs and he says, hey, why did you lie to us? (laughs) Hey, you should have just told us she was your sister. But you know what? Leave. Get out of here. Because what if someone had touched her? So he sends them away. The very next verse says this. Then. Can you say then? Then. No. The reason why I showed you all that before was to show you then. If you don't get the before context, you'll miss the point. Isaac separates from his wife because he lies. Once he's reunited with his wife, then we come to then. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year. What year? Same. The same year. What was happening that year? A famine. Wow. What, what is a famine? What does the ground look like when there's a famine? It's dry. It's, it's, the, the dirt is breaking into pieces. There's no moisture because it hasn't rained. So when you put seed on the ground, it's like putting it on carpet, on concrete. It will never produce because it's a famine. But when Isaac is reunited with his wife, then he sows in that same year. And what happens? In the same year, a hundredfold return. And the Lord blessed him. The grace of God will produce a miracle you never could produce on your own. I'm telling you, if you are married, you have the power to get wealth. You have the power to get wealth. It's right there. And as a husband, it makes me value my wife more. No one had to tell me, Matthew, you better value your wife or else. No, no, this makes me, whoa, that's what God put in my wife? Oh, man, we got to make this work. <laughs> we got to figure this out. And it makes me value her more. It should make you value that other person more. And again, you say, well, I'm single. I'm not, I'm not looking for someone else. Hey, Jesus is your husband. Value him more. Value him more. You have the power to get wealth. And when you sow in a famine, God will cause you to have a hundredfold return. <laughs> Watch this. What are we? We backed up. The man began to prosper, continued prospering yes. until he became very prosperous. <laughs> For he had possessions and flocks. I'm sorry, possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines, his enemies, envied him. Yes. Even your enemies will be jealous of you. They'll be jealous of you. Let me say this. God is interested in your marriage. He is invested. Jesus' first miracle was not opening blind eyes. Jesus' first miracle was actually not, in the book of Matthew, uh, healing, cleansing a leopard. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. No one gets saved. (laughs) No one got saved. Jesus, why water to wine? Showing all of us at a wedding. Showing all of us. I care about your marriage before I care about everything else. I want this to be right. 
and I want to turn the water into wine. Now, my prayer is going to be at the end is this. If it seems like your marriage has become water, God is going to turn it to wine. Now, don't fight. Oh, come on. We got to make this thing because it can be wine. No, (laughs) no. How do you get wine from grapes? You apply pressure. But God doesn't want the pressure to be applied to you. He applied the pressure to his son in the wine press. And at the wine press, the blood flowed. Now, God wants to do the miracle of turning the water of your marriage into wine. Be so drunk with each other, so intoxicated with each other. You don't even notice anyone else in the room. I was going to sing a song. I won't sing for you. <laughs> Let me show you this. Let me bring this to a close. Let's bring this. Let's, let's start winding down. Can we do that? Let's wind down. Let me show you the word for woman in the Hebrew. Can you say woman? woman. It's Isha. Can you say Isha? Isha. Isha in the Hebrew is this. Aleph, Shin, Hey. Don't forget Hebrew reads from right to left. Aleph, Shin, Hey. Now, every Hebrew letter, as we've talked about before, I don't want to lose anyone. Every Hebrew letter has a picture that corresponds to the letter. Okay? The picture for Aleph is an ox or a leader. Okay? It's a picture of an ox or a leader. Why do I say a leader if it's an ox, sacrificial ox? All right? The word for daddy in Hebrew is Abba. Abba. Right? It's literally Aleph, A, and Bet, B together. The ox plus the house. When a man and a house come together... All right. When a man has a house family, he becomes a daddy. But the ox is someone who lays themselves down for the others. The sacrifice. When a man becomes a sacrifice for his house, he becomes a father. Anyone can have children, but only someone who is willing to lay themselves down for their family can be a father. And God has never, he never presented himself as a father until he put on skin, became one of us and laid himself down for all of us. Then he becomes father. Are you with me? So watch this. Aleph is a picture of a leader or an ox. We'll say leader, lead. Shin is a picture of, um, oh man, my mind goes blank. Let's see. Did I put it? I didn't put it. Neither here nor there. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Shin. Shin actually is, I won't do that. Aleph, Shin, Hey. Now, we all know what Hey means because we talk about it all the time in this church. What does Hey mean? Grace. Grace. Hey is the picture for Grace. Even the Jewish rabbis, they say, we don't know what the picture is, but we think it's a window and and something's blowing out of it. The wind, the breath of God. Yeah, it's the grace of God. God is speaking his grace over you. Grace, hey, is the fifth letter. Five is the number for grace. So hey is a picture of grace. Now this is Isha. The woman gets grace. Proverbs 18, 22. When a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains grace from the Lord. Where does he get the grace from? From his wife. She has hey in her name. Are you with me? Watch this. The word for man is ish, but it's spelt a little different. It has aleph and shin in it, but instead of hey, it has yud. Yud is a picture of a hand in the Hebrew. Now watch this. Men, we tend to lead from what we can do, what makes sense, what's logical. That's why in the book of Revelation, the, the mark of the beast is put on the hand and on the forehead because men trust their own strength. They trust their own intellect. That's, that's how men are. The problem comes when we trust in this so much, we end up getting in trouble. So what does God do? He brings the woman to put her grace over the hand. Are you with me? When my hand mixes with grace, good things happen. But when my hand is against the grace God's given me, bad things happen. Now watch this. Woman has hay, man has you. Say you hay. 
Yud Hey. Look at the name of God. Look at the name of the Lord, Yahweh, the unspeakable name of God. What are the first two letters? Yud Hey. Isn't that interesting? Now, the whole name of God is Yud Hey Vav Hey. It's the hand of grace nailed in grace. But God wanted to make sure that man and woman work together. So, what did He do? He gave man the Yud, He gave the woman the grace. Yud Hey. Do you know what happens, ma'am? Sorry? Flame, is it? It could, is it flame? So watch this. This is actually cool. You know what happens when you have alev, shin, but you take out hay? Let's say you have a woman, you drop the hay, and a man, you drop the yud. You have alev, shin, right? Do you know that alev and shin is the word for fire in the Hebrew? You ever seen a marriage where they're just, you know, oh, we've been together for 40 years, and we coexist. He has his room, I have mine. <laughs> All right? There's been a little bit of fire there, some sparks. <laughs> God doesn't want you to say, hey, we married for 40, 50 years, we made it. But she's doing her thing, I'm doing mine. That's not success. All right? That's not the marriage God wants for you. God wants to say, look, and I don't know how the world does it. I'm being honest. The more I learn about marriage, I appreciate my wife. I don't know how people in the world do it. I don't know how they do it. Because again, when you drop yud, hey, when you take God out of the marriage, you get fire. That's scary. But when you put Jesus back in, you put the Lord back in, yud and hey, and they come together. God is now in the marriage. You know what happens? The oil of the Holy Spirit causes the machine to work. No more sparks flying. No more flames. <laughs> you have the grace of God working in your marriage. That's how you become successful. Now, I've only been married four years. How can I tell you that? This is not experience. This is what the Bible says. This is God's word. I told you we're going to bring this to a close. Let's keep moving real quick. Watch this. First Samuel chapter 25. Let me tell you a story real quick. We'll close with this. Is that okay? We'll close with this. I have so much to share, but I'm not going to do that to you this morning. We have time. First Samuel 25. Now, let me show you the story of how this works for men. And uh, I love this real quick. One more time before we uh, read this. Man has the yud, which is the hand. But the woman has the what? The grace. She has the grace. Man has the yud. So in 1 Samuel 25, we have an interesting story. David is on the run from Saul and he has men with him. He comes across a plain and they see uh, a herd of sheep. But they realize that they're about to be attacked. So David goes and he saves the sheep, he and his men. Then he goes and he finds out who the sheep belong to. When he goes to the man's house, the man's name is Nabal. He goes to Nabal's house and he says, look, this is what we did. But he sends messengers. And Nabal says, what do I care for? I have nothing for David and his men. Now, David, when he hears what Nabal said, he gets angry. A righteous indignation. He decides in the old King James, I, almost said, I won't quote the old King James. but in the, in the new King James, he says this. Let's go and make sure that not one male is left in the house of Nabal. They're out for blood. They get their swords together. They get on their animals and they start charging towards once the house of Nabal finds out David is coming and he's coming for revenge, he's about to kill every man in his house. All of a sudden, the wife of Nabal, all right, Abigail, she puts on some, uh, some garments, she jumps on a donkey, and she rides out to find him. Now, she meets David on the way there. And when she meets David, look what she says to David. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. Now, it wasn't her mistake. It was her husband's mistake. But watch what happens. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord 
an enduring house because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Now, David is a man like anybody else. But notice how she's using her words. Let me show you what happens. Now, this is a beautiful story. Verse 29. Yet a man has arisen, a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, your God. Very poetic. And the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. She's referencing when David was a younger man and he killed a giant with a sling. You see that? Very poetic. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offensive heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maid servant. Now watch the result. Watch the result. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. Now, what is the word for man? Ish. And he has the yud, which is the picture of the hand. But when the grace of a woman encounters the hand, she's able to put his hand back. David was about to use his hand to save himself to avenge himself, to get revenge for himself. And all of a sudden, the woman comes with grace, and she says, no, no, and she sheaves it. There's nothing scarier than when a person fights for themselves. You only fight for yourself because you believe that God won't fight for you. That's it. And you don't have to feel condemned because all of us do it. But when you come to the house of God, be reminded, God will fight for you. God will fight for you. But only grace can cause you to put your hand back cause you to put your hand down. God will fight for you, but God has already given you that grace. You don't have to wait till Sunday. <laughs> it's in the woman. And all the women, you have the grace in you. See yourself valuable. Now, let me say this. How do we translate all that into today's ling- lingo? All right. Let me tell you this right here. Yet a man has not risen. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, your God and the lives of your enemies. He shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Let me translate that for you. No man carries those groceries like you. Nobody thought that was. I mean, come on. (laughs) How do you translate this? If my wife came to me and said, the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as the pocket from a sling. That means nothing to me. But when she comes and she flattered him. All right. What does she do? She used words that he understood. Hey, use words that he'll understand. And when you flatter him, even if he's, I mean, come on. No, the other day we were doing, and Christina said something like, oh, you know, she made a comment about how strong I was. And I started going, I'm not, I haven't been lifting weights. And she goes, no, but you like, you're getting stronger. And I'm like, you know, I did some push-ups the other day. I didn't think they were that serious, but I'm trying. I'm working. And then when she walked out the room, Parker said, come on, daddy. I said, come on, boy. And we just started going, right? (laughs) Now he's not doing push-ups. I'm doing push-ups. But the point is this. It was the small thing she said. And I'm telling you, if you will, and I'm going to say if you'll learn, you have the grace of God. Speak as the Lord impresses on you. But if you'll speak flattering words, if you'll use words. I mean, she flattered him in a way no woman had at that point. And she flattered him so much that David said, you have saved me from avenging myself. Now, if you know how the story ends, God avenges David. And then after God has avenged him, David says, uh, go propose to her for me. <laughs> I want her to be my wife. <laughs> And she becomes his wife. Now, what's the point? What's the point? Speak life to your husband. Speak life to him. 
Flatter him, even when he doesn't deserve it. Flatter him. No man feels better than when his wife looks at him and says, you look like you're losing weight. I only had one donut. I could have had five, but my wife saw it. I'm losing it. <laughs> I mean, come on. Speak to them. Speak to them. Speak and use your words. How does a man, how does a man sanctify and cleanse his wife? Do you know how? I'm saving time because we're not going to look at all these verses. How does a man sanctify? Your wife, your wife goes out into the world. She hears all the things the world says. She hears all the weight and the pressures of life. She has all these things on her. And what is she? she comes back home and she's dealing with all of this. And you know what, you know what Paul said? Husbands, sanctify your wife and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. Speak over her. Speak over her. Sweetheart, it's okay. Sweetheart, don't worry. Sweetheart, I haven't seen anyone so beautiful as you all day. Sweetheart, I mean, come on. You make that dress. You see what I'm saying? Come on. Speak. 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 Adam's problem was that he didn't speak. God is saying, I want you to speak. And you say, well, well, it's not true. Don't don't you say it. (laughs) Don't say it. I would speak if she. No, 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 no. (laughs) Do your part. Do your part. Don't read to her the Bible. Do your part. And when you do your part, trust that the Holy Spirit will cause them to do their part. Are you with me? Just do your part. Can I show you one, one? What time is it? Do we have time for one more? Last one. I'll make it quick. Last one. Watch this. The word for bride in the Hebrew is kalah. Can you say kalah? Kala. I'll make it fast. Kalah opens with the word kaf. Now, this is again for the ladies who are looking or you say, well, you know, I want to mate one day. I'm looking for a husband. What are you looking for? And if you're already married, this speaks to you. What impresses a man most? I can show you in Ephesians, but we don't have time. So I'll show you in the Hebrew. All right. What speaks to a man the most? Watch this. Kaf. This is the word kalah. It's the word bride in the Hebrew. It's kaf lamed. Hey, kaf is an open hand. All right. A hand that's receiving or a blessing hand. But it's a hand that's open because it's receiving something. Lamed is learning. An open hand receiving or learning what? Grace. Grace. You know what Jesus said about salt? You are the salt of the earth. What purpose does salt have if it loses its saltiness? It has no purpose other than to be trampled underfoot. Right? What has the church done to women all these years? We've tried to step on top of women. Know your place. Stay quiet. God can't speak through a woman. That never happened in here, and it will never happen in here, by the grace of God, all right? But suffice to say this, we've put women under our feet. Now, Jesus said, you are the salt. You are the salt. Who are we to Jesus? We are the bride of Christ. Now, watch this. Translate that into your marriage. A woman without grace. And I can say this for my marriage. Me and my wife, we talked about this long before we came in. So I can say this knowing that I'm not in trouble. I won't get in trouble. (laughs) A woman without grace is undesirable. It's undesirable. It just is. Let me show you. What are you looking for in a man? And men, what do women find desirable? The word for groom is katan. Katan is het, tav, noon. Fence, het is a fence, tav is a cross, and noon is a fish. Fish, when you look at Hebrew letters almost every single time, when you look at the words, they always mean a believer. Always mean a believer. Watch this. What's desirable in a man is when he fences himself in, when he encloses himself. Where? At the cross. And the believer. The cross of the believer. Don't take up the cross of someone else. The cross of a believer. When you lay yourself down, because the cross is a picture of laying yourself down, the cross of Jesus, but also laying yourself down. When you lay yourself down for the house or for the family, 
that becomes desirable. Now, again, I can show you more from God's word to prove it, but you just have to take my word this morning. <laughs> I never say that. I never ask you to take my word. I'll show you more next week. But for the sake of time, I want to let you go. But I think that's beautiful. So, again, my prayer for you this morning, I'm going to pray in just a moment. But let me say this. If you are looking, what are you looking for? A man who is not so self-centered, so wrapped up in himself that he can't see you. At the same time, what is desirable from a woman's perspective when you have grace? Have grace. Don't be a woman who says, well, I hope they get what they deserve. That is. I love you. Are you ready? (laughs) Let's pray. Can you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. (laughs) And Father, we thank you for the truth that you've hidden for those who are daring to look, for those who are insisting on seeing Jesus. So, Father, this morning we just receive your favor fresh. And Father, I pray for every married couple in here right now, Lord. I pray for every married couple. I lift them up right now. Where there might have been sparks in the past, where there might have been flames in the past. Father, today we ask that you wipe the slate clean. And Father, whatever problems may be existing even now, we ask that you wipe the slate clean. Father, my prayer for every married couple this morning is this, that you turn the water to wine, that you turn the water to wine. And Father, I ask that you make it happen very quickly. Time is not an issue for you. So Lord, I ask even from this morning that you begin to turn the water of marriage into wine. And Father, for everyone who is single and looking, I ask that you give them the favor that they need from you, from you, the favor, the confidence to know that they are valued to you and not to sell themselves short, but to stand firm in the value that you have placed on them. And Father, for everyone who says, well, I'm not looking, but I'm here. Father, I thank you that the grace is on them. And Father, as you are a bride, I'm sorry, you you are a groom. You are the groom. I thank you that you have given even them the power to get wealth. So Father, my prayer again for everyone this morning is this. I ask, Father, that you cause everyone in here to begin to tap into the power to get wealth. That you begin to give everyone in here dreams and visions. That you begin to speak, uh, begin to speak significantly through the women in here. To make their men great. To increase the anointing on them. To increase the anointing on their house and on their family. That they might be successful as you have called all of us to be successful. And Father, again, we thank you for the grace that you've put on everyone in here. Just take a moment real quick. Whatever you're, or wherever you're at, whatever situation that you're in, if you would just speak life into that moment, if you would, just this morning, just speak life into it. Just begin to speak life over your, over your partner, speak life over your family, over your children. Just speak life right now, if you would, just for a minute before we close. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we speak life over our relationships. We speak your grace over every relationship, Father. We thank you that in you, you hold all things together, Jesus. And Father, I thank you in you that the only door out is you. That if it seems like anyone seems like, I'm looking for a way out, I thank you that they'll run straight into your arms. And Father, you'll begin to turn every bad situation into a life-giving situation. Even now, Father. Let me say this and we'll close. I hear the Lord say this, and this is... You can take it or leave it. But I hear the Lord saying some of you have seen bad marriages in the past and you have believed that you would have a bad marriage or a bad relationship because that was all you saw. But the Lord said he's going to begin to reverse what you saw so that you'll begin to see differently now. 
Stop expecting the worst. Expect the best. When Jesus is in the boat, you will always make it to the other side. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 If you would just lift your hands real quick. Right where you're at, just lift your hands. The Lord bless you in your going out and in your coming in. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Amen. Quick reminder, we are having Bible study this week. We will be here at 7. We'll stream that.